Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast for the fans, made by the fans. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Pretty good, Richard. The elusive Wednesday night recording of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a Champions League edition. No, wait, never mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a Wednesday night. It's a very rare time for us to, to do this. But yeah, it's uh, something different, I guess. Yeah, well, you and I just kind of repeatedly canceled on each other over the last <laughs> three days. We just couldn't get it together this weekend for whatever reason. So uh, looking forward to talking about this game now that no one remembers it and no one cares about it anymore. That's right. And that's why we're here to rejog your memory or, or try to at least. Um, yeah, this was an uh, interesting week. Uh, well, maybe not so much on the pitch. Uh, well, maybe it was. There's a lot of VAR involved. But uh, more importantly, off the pitch, uh, something we've been talking about for a, um, at least a couple pods now, uh, it's been officially made that David Wagner is uh, the new head coach of Schalke. And then to celebrate, I am listening to the I'm listening to Wagner right now on on YouTube. Uh, entry to the halls of Valhalla. But besides that, Jack, uh, how happy are you on this signing? I mean, I think that music choice might be a little bit overly dramatic, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 very happy about it. Uh, we, we've talked about this a number of times over the past couple of weeks, but uh, given the other candidates that were prominent in in the rumor mill, um, I think David Wagner was probably the best of that bunch. Certainly, my preferred candidate. So I'm excited about it. Um, you know, hopefully, he's able to elevate this squad. And which is, you know, we obviously has a track record of doing that at, at Huddersfield with limited resources. Um, you know, we have a squad here that some people think isn't particularly great. Other people think that maybe they just underperformed. Either way, hopefully David Wagner can uh, turn that around and, and get some better performances out of these guys. Oh, you mean you weren't pulling for Romanico Podesco? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Schalke. Schalke's new coach, Romanico Podesco. <laughs> No, yeah, this is uh, it's 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 it, it, I'm glad that this finally happened. Uh, that they they mentioned David Wagner. Nothing, nothing I hate more than hearing rumors that drag on and on and on and on. So, uh, the fact that they could just nip this in the bud, I think we kind of alluded to this that you know they're just waiting for. Uh, maybe I saw you tweet this. That we're just waiting for to officially lock up. You know, being safe for next season that they could commit to a coach. Because if if you're thinking about if you're looking on the outside as a coach, would you want to join a team that's just got relegated? Probably not so much. Um, maybe a team like Schalke, but still, um, it's good to have Wagner's name officially in the lineup. We can stop worrying about that now and start worrying about the, the what are we going to do with the team? We know there's going to be some changes. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy to that this move finally happened. We can move on from this at least. Um, there are some other rumors that we won't get into in terms of you know who they may bring in from management wise, upper management wise, but we'll, you know. We'll leave that to Twitter. No, let's talk about that real quick. I'll tell okay. you why. Yeah, because because I I mean anyone who follows me on Twitter has no I've been I've been talking about this for 
recently, but what is this horse health nonsense? I agree. That's bullshit. Stop, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Uh, horse health is, is almost universally disliked by the fan base. Um, Clementoni is uh, there. It's his good bud. Well, that's the problem. I mean, like, so uh, you, you see these interviews with him recently, and he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe horse health could come back in. And, and, like, it just sounds like he wants a yes man to come in and kind of do whatever he wants in, in the interim and just get one of his buddies come back into the club or whatever. But, like, it, it just, to me, would be an absolute horrible move, a step in the wrong direction. And, and the thing that's so maddening about it is, you know, one of the reasons there's been presumably been objections to Reschke coming in from Stuttgart is because of how poorly Stuttgart performed. Help was at Hanover. The bottom of the league. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, like, how is that? Like, how is that a better? Ca- and uh, it's, it's so frustrating. So hopefully we don't go in that direction. Um, I'm, I'm sure Schalke has been getting some noise about it on Twitter. Not that they really care, probably about what people are saying on social media. But um, yeah, that would be absolutely brutal. And, and I'm sorry if I didn't sound super excited about the David Wagner hire. Um, just this news broke like over a week ago. So uh, and we were just super delayed <laughs> on this dude. podcast. So I was very excited when we when this when this news broke. Believe me, I was I was all over Twitter with it. But um, yeah, I've, I've obviously calmed down a little bit, and we're back into the uh, just kind of seeing out the last couple weeks of the season here. But yeah, we we are we are excited. Trust me. I think one of the first couple tweets uh, somebody found one of the Shaka fans found a David Wagner Christmas video with him and his family singing to you know Merry Christmas or something like that, and I was like. Where did this come from? But, you know, hey, Shaka fans will find anything when it comes to uh, something they want to share. So, um, and, and David Wagner's buddy, uh, Jurgen Klopp, actually came out and uh, yes. said that uh, he said, I can only congratulate Schalke, even if my Dortmund friends do not like to hear that. And that is, of course, because he thinks that Schalke made a good hire, as do we. So uh, when a former Dortmund coach is uh, giving credit to Schalke, you're probably on the right track, hopefully. <laughs> So that's, yeah. that's a good sign. One hundred percent. And our shock American contingent is growing bigger and bigger. We've obviously already had a, a great American uh, staff members, if you want to say whatever, uh, that are already on the team. McKinney and a, a bunch of others. How'd you write? But now we got David Wagner, and we talked about this last week. He's not really an American per se. He's not like you know Jurgen Klopp or Jurgen Jurgen Klopp or uh, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann are probably more American than David Wagner, but. Um, but but that's beside the point. Uh, anyway, it's a good signing, and uh, I'm excited once the, the summer gets rolling and, and moves start happening and see what happens. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets with the team as soon as possible and gets in this uh, his training in right away because the tactics are going to be big with him. They're completely different than what we've had in the last couple of years or maybe several years. And so to get that, um, he's going to have to get the team to be. Um, Working their ass off because, according to Hoop Stevens, the team is really not that great physically. Because uh, he ran some tests recently with them, physical tests, and they they're really poor. So uh, we need to we need to make some upgrades for sure, and uh, hopefully Wagner can get his hands on the team as quick as possible, get the players he wants, and then uh, move forward and move on to the next season. Absolutely. Well, uh, there was a game this past week or a week ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we could try to remember this, um, it was against obviously Bayer Leverkusen, a big match. Well, it was you know it's big funny. for them, big for them for sure. They're trying to get a Champions League spot. We're trying to play spoilers. We don't care at this at this moment anymore because we locked up uh, Bundesliga for next season. There's no chance that Stuttgart is going to catch us. So, uh, really, we're just seeing out the season. Us as fans really want to see what play, what the players have left in the tank. Are they really willing to commit and fight for the team down the stretch when games don't matter? 
Are they going to bring youngsters in to do stuff? Uh, that's what we wanted to find out. And it seems like Shaka ended the season, even though they've been playing so poorly, they're, they're probably their two of their better games were against the two of the best teams in the league, uh, Dortmund and and and, and Bayer. Um, let's get into the lineups real quick. Um, we'll start with the home team with Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Radetzky, who is a fantastic goalkeeper in, in net for them. Uh, Bender, top, uh, the other Benders, was also in defense. And then Vendel. And in midfield, you had Alan Gies, Bumlinger, and... Um, and Julian Brandt, and then up top you had Kai Havertz, Alario, and Kevin Voland. Um, of those names, I mean, this is obviously a team with a lot of skill. Uh, obviously, there's no Leon Bailey that was mentioned in the lineup, but uh, still, there's talent going through and through from the front to the back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, starting in the goalkeeper position, we all know how good of a goalkeeper that he is. Uh, Jonathan Taz is an absolute mountain of a human being yeah. back there. He's been, he's been great all season. Um, Aaron Guise is an interesting sort of shifty player. Um, he, he's kind of been doing some more midfield work recently than he had been at the earlier part of the season, but uh, he tends to move around a lot. He doesn't really seem, at least in this one, to my opinion, and I, I, I could be wrong about this in terms of like a larger season narrative, but in this match, he seemed to be given a lot of freedom to kind of go wherever he felt like at various times on the pitch. So even though he's, you know, sort of lining up maybe on the right-hand side of midfield. He kind of shifts all over the place. And then, um, obviously, the, the young combination of Kai Havertz and Julian Brandt are just two phenomenal, phenomenal young players. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Vollen's a name that a lot of people will know very well. Um, you know, been around for a while and is a solid player. And he always seems to, <clears throat> he always seems to do well against uh, Schalke as well. Um, so let's get into the Schalke lineup. Uh, Alexander Nubel, obviously, in net. Uh, we had a back three, uh, Matija Nastasic, familiar name back there, Benjamin Stambouli, and Weston McKinney. Um, it's uh, it's good to see him on the pitch, uh, just maybe not right back as a position I would ideally put him. I think most of us would agree that we'd want him somewhere in the attacking part of the midfield. Um, but moving on to the midfield where he was not, Omar Mascarell in that in that crucial pivot point, we had Daniel Caligiri. Bastian Ochipka, Sebastian Rudy, and um, Bujaleb. Uh, and then at the top was led by Brielle Lambolo and Guido Bergstaller. So um, what were your thoughts on that lineup? Obviously, McKinney in defense probably struck your eye there. But also, um, Bujaleb's getting another, getting another opportunity. Rudy's getting another opportunity. And obviously, uh, the, the, the young Swiss and the Austrian are leading, leading the attack. Yeah, as you say, uh, Weston McKenney in in the back line, uh, our favorite position for him to play. If you don't count like three or four other positions, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's the three one four two for Schalke. We saw this last week. We've seen it. Uh, I mean, probably for the majority of the season. Um, Mascarell uh, in sort of that deep six, right in front of the back three, and then the wingbacks of Ochipka and Calgary pushing up to flank uh, Rudy and Bujalev in midfield in this one. And Bolo and Bergstaller certainly seems to be the first choice uh, striker partnership up top. Bergstaller obviously out last week as uh, as a result of the birth of his child. He was in hospital with his wife. Um, but uh, Bergstaller returning back to the top and, and Katuchu sort of dropped out of the entire match day squad, <laughs> which we don't like to see, but yeah. whatever. Um yeah, but I mean, beyond that, I mean, it's it's pretty standard from what we've been seeing recently. I think Bujaleb may be the only interesting inclusion, but he's kind of been bouncing in and out, uh, you know, since Hoop Stevens took over. So that's not, you know, something that really raises the eyebrow too far either. 
No, and if, if anything, the insertion of Bujalab this week was um, a welcome sight. Just the way, this is the, the matter how he played himself, uh, the way he composed himself in the match. Uh, had a great assist in this one that we'll get to. Uh, I thought this was probably his best, one of his best games, I think, uh, in the Shaka Colors uh, this season. Yeah, I agree. I thought there were a couple different players that um, impressed or at least showed more than they than they normally do at times. But yeah, we talked about this last week. One of the things that you and I wanted to see going forward for the last couple weeks of the season here was uh, some some youngsters getting some playing time. Uh, I mean, Hoop Stevens doesn't want to just you know put out an entirely second choice team because he wants to you know try to actually win games and and to be fair to the rest of the teams in the league that are actually competing for things they don't want the Schalke games to be you know like a free win obviously we want to actually compete and try to make it fair for everybody else but um you know you and I would that talked about how we we wanted to see some of these young guys and now they're not really playing for anything um there's nothing on the line you know we're safe from relegation all that kind of stuff uh you know give some young guys a shot see what they have um try to you know, judge that talent um, when you're watching them play at a senior level against good competition to kind of figure out what you have going into the summer. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's a couple guys on the bench, you know, Jonas Carls, Carls Jr., as I call him, uh, <laughs> George Timotho, whatever his name is, and, uh, of course, Robbie Matondo there as well. So a couple guys in the match day squad that are, uh, you know, some of our younger talents as well, so that was good to see. Yeah, and Robbie Matondo actually got on on the pitch uh, in this one. So yeah, uh, that's always welcome sight. We haven't seen him much of him uh, since he's joined our team. So uh, we know this. We know Bayer is an attacking team. It's going to be difficult on the road, um, but somehow I felt oddly comfortable going into this match, and um, that was easily put back on me because uh, in the twelfth minute, Adengiz uh, ends up hitting the crossbar, a freaking awesome strike, hits a crossbar, rebound goes right to Julian Brandt. And he hits a post, uh, so we got really, really lucky in that play. I mean, two two good shots. Shaka caught flat-footed, as they, they have been all season long. And luckily, the post saves the day on that one. The, those two particular shots. Yeah, yeah. And and Brandt wasn't really even under a lot of pressure. He just he just missed that as well. I actually kind of expected him to finish that, given yeah. his his quality. But uh, yeah, the post was our friend in that moment for sure. Um, Leverkusen, where I thought were pretty wasteful today. I think they had something like. Well, like eighteen shots, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. they get they definitely got their chances, and they were getting into dangerous areas. They just so the wheels just sort of fell off a bunch of times right at the last second for them. Um, maybe another day they they put a couple more past us, but obviously, we'll, we'll take <laughs> take it the way it went down. They had eighteen shots, as you said. Their possession was seventy five percent to twenty five percent. They had eight hundred passes against us to our two hundred sixty four or whatever it was. So. It was complete domination with the ball, and they were wasteful, as you said. Uh, there was an opportunity that they were not wasteful in, and this was in the 31st minute, Kai Havertz. Uh, he was end up being all alone. It was a, it was a cross in by Julian Brandt. Uh, it deflects off somebody early on and then hits off McKinney. That second deflection proved pivotal because we went right to Kai Havertz, who in one motion just, boom, shot it past uh, Alexander Nubel. Nothing Nubel could have done about that with that, that you know the power coming off of that shot. Uh, Kai Havertz is a special player. He's got what, like, uh, ten goals in the last nine games, or something crazy, crazy stats with with him this season. He's really coming into his own. Yeah, he's decent, <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. He'd be on the bench uh, for us. Yeah, you know, I, I thought Julian Brandt's uh, delivery from wide areas was phenomenal today, and I don't know why that surprised me. Um, 
I guess I just and it's funny really... the one that gets deflected twice is the one that gets an assist. Yeah, exactly. Right. That wasn't even his best one of the game, but he was he was dangerous from there for for a lot of the match. Um, yeah, as you said, it took a deflection on the way in and kind of I think that deflection surprised Weston McKinney. Um it just was suddenly like right in front of him, and he didn't really know what to do with it or have much time to react. He just kind of didn't hit him in the it. head. Yeah, well, I think he was intentional. I think he headed it, um, but I don't really think he got a good look at like what was happening in the area he was heading it to. Um, and he, yeah, unfortunately, it went, it went right to Havertz. I, like I said, I don't think McKinney knew too much about it, but um, it's just an unfortunate play when a deflection happens like that, and then Havertz made the most of it. And uh, good thing that was one of the only times that uh, Leverkusen took their chances today because they had plenty of them at least in the first half yeah and uh we really we really didn't have much of uh any opportunities in that first half they're really the only ones you know they really came to mind was like around the i want to say 37th 38th minute something like that Bujalab, uh, he nearly scored after a decent offensive spell in the zone um, by Schalke. Chipka and Mbolo working well together Bujalab ends up ends up getting a shot and nearly scored so um, pretty much the trend in the first half I noticed was that we were really poor in the in the air. Um, having McKinney, who's one of our better um, aerial threats, and the Stasic, they're both playing defense. So um, any any ball that was in the air, it seems like we never would get even come close to getting it. It's, it's always a buyer player getting it. So um, I mean, they dominated yeah, that first half. And McKinney plays in the midfield, even when he's not having his best game. Uh, the number of times he he wins an extra possession for us or something on those 50-50 aerials uh, almost sort of justifies him being in there all by itself, like regardless of what else yeah. he does because he's so good in the air and he, he seems to win like all those battles. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good point. I think him being a little bit further back and out of the center of what's going on in the pitch definitely uh, probably hurts our, our aerial presence in um, – you know that's you know it's it's, it's one of those questions of the sacrifice you want to make. Is Bruma hurt right now? I don't know if he's hurt or, or he's out of like, favor. Yeah, he's, he's just, just out nah. of favor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you like Katuchu? All right, you can be on the bench. <laughs> too soon. Too too soon. Too soon. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but going back to what you were saying, you know, I agree. Shaka were very poor in that first half, and it seemed like. The rest of the game would would be like that uh, domination by by Bayer. Nothing really offensively being no no sparks from Schalke. Uh, we went to halftime, scored one nothing, and really that was a flattering scoreline considering all the chances they missed. But Hoop Stevens, I don't know if he did a Hoosier speech at halftime, gave him some some vodka. I don't know what the heck was going on, but uh, the second half of Schalke was much different than the first, and it's really a great start. Just you know, one or two minutes in, uh, turnover in the midfield. Uh, Bujala with some fancy footwork somehow gets past what two defenders uh, slots home a perfect assist to Guido Bergsteller who's on the breakaway. Uh, he coolly slots it past Radetsky. Uh We we're we're all celebrating the goal and then they call VAR, don't they? Yeah, our old friend uh, Dennis Eitekin, who is <laughs> I'm on record as saying is my is my least favorite official probably in the entire Bundesliga. Um, every time he he's in charge of a Schalke match. I just I feel like I just hate <laughs> the way he calls the games. Um, yeah, it happened like as, like right at the start of the second half. Uh, if you were still getting a refreshment or something, you probably missed it uh, coming out of the halftime. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a bad pass. Um, I, I forget who. I, I think it was Bujalev that initially got the interception or jumped in front of it. Um, it was sort of a blind pass out to the right wing that Bujalev jumped in front of, and then you know ball kind of 
jumps around to a couple different players. I think Rudy ultimately passed it back to Bujaleb and uh, played a very beautifully weighted ball forward to, to Bergstaller. And uh, Kevin Hatcher, uh, the commenter for this one, uh, you know, mentions like this is a very un unbergstaller esque goal because he's not the fastest. <laughs> and, you know, he's always offside all the time. You don't really consider him to be the one who's breaking the back line like that. Um, but uh, it was a beautifully played ball and it's a well taken finish. And um, dude, okay, so <laughs> Bianca Goldbeck, the the <laughs> The uh, the color guy that's always with Kevin Hatchard on these things. Yeah, for a former Schalke player, he hates Schalke. He's very negative towards but, Schalke like, all the I, time. I never, I like, I disagree with like everything he said. Like, whenever there's like some sort of replay they're watching, and he's like, "Well, I think it happened this way." I think he's always wrong. Yeah. But he also like never gives Schalke the benefit of the doubt. And they showed the replay, um, and they paused it right at the moment the pass was. Um, being made, and you can clearly see that Bergstaller is well on side, and Bianca Goldbeck is like, "Yeah, I think he's off." And I'm like, like "What? What are you looking at?" But um, luckily, when Dennis Idigan goes and takes a look at it, he he decides that um, you know the initial call of a goal was was the correct one. Um, go ahead. Uh, and I, I was going to say, but bring him up again when we talk about the VAR call short here shortly, where Calajeri gets it, because um, again, the comments he made there. Uh, well, let's talk about it. So there's a there's a little late in the game, which we're going to get to, but uh, there's a play where Schalke ended up getting a penalty. Uh, and they go to the replay, and it's clearly shown that McKinney gets elbowed in the face by Voland. And uh, the the main announcer, Kevin, Kevin was like, oh, yeah, it's uh, that's a, obviously a penalty. I can see why they call it. And the other guy's like, nah, I don't think so. That's not a penalty. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. He looks at him in the eye and hits him yeah, with the elbow. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a penalty. Yeah, to, to, to be fair to him in this instance, I, I think the second angle that they showed, he kind of backtracked. And he's like, oh, wait, you never mind. He actually was looking at him. And that's kind of how I felt, too. Like, I didn't notice that when it happened live. Um, I just thought McKinney was off balance or something. And so when they, when they initially uh, you know, stopped play for a minute, this, this is 45 seconds maybe? Yeah. After that incident took place, and the play was on the other end of the pitch, and so everyone thought they were looking at a handball on Schalke or something to concede a penalty, but really they were going all the way back to when Schalke had the ball in the final third, um, you know, the better part of a minute ago. Take a look at that, and uh, yeah, I mean, the first angle I saw, it didn't look like there was a ton of contact, but th- there's a second angle they show, and you can see that Kevin Fallon is, is quite clearly like looking directly at Weston McKinney and intentionally throwing his arm out to hit him in the face. Um, and to be, to be perfectly honest, like if he had made stronger contact than what he made, that could have been a straight red. Yeah, I could have. I mean, because he, 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 right yeah, he struck him in the face. This is not well, um, I'm looking at him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is not the kind of situation that happens like at least once in basically every football match on the planet where, you know, two guys are going up for an aerial ball and, you know, you kind of you kind of pull your arms up to kind of get leverage as you're jumping and you accidentally hit somebody in the face and like that. That happens all the time, right? This is not that at all. Like Kevin Fullen is on the ground, like facing McKenney and just kind of throws his arm in his face to kind of throw him off. It was I, th- I think it's definitely a yellow card and definitely a penalty. And it's something that I think a lot of people missed um, live and on the initial replay. But when you go back and look at it, it's, it's a good spot by the VAR. And I'm glad they had him uh, go and take a look at that one. Yeah, and it's funny because what led to this play really is a lot of open play uh, by both teams. Really, uh, Schalke after the goal, they nearly they, they were attacking. Bergstaller set up Imbolo, he nearly scores. Leverkusen responded with, with through Kai Havertz. Uh, something and Nubel came up big on that play. That could have easily made it you know two one in, in favor of them. Um, and then you know the open play continues, and 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 Mitchell Weiser. Uh, he's running down the pitch. It looks like he's going to get a goal. And Sebastian Rudy, one of the best defensive plays he's made all year, 
or probably is the best defensive player he made all year. He slides tackle, uh, slides tackle him, gets the ball away, and that's when the, the whistle was called for the VAR. And I'm thinking, like everybody else, is like, that's got to be, was that a handball on Rudy somehow on the slide tackle? And like you said, it goes back 45 seconds before that where Kevin Vaughn obviously hits uh, McKinney in the face. Um, so, yeah, penalty was called. Great call by VAR there. Uh, VAR has paid off a lot, I think, in, in good ways. At least in the Bundesliga. I don't know about the other leagues or um, Champions League, but in, in Bundesliga, I think there's been more good than bad, I would say. Um, so, anyway, Schalke get the penalty. Kalajiri steps up, gives Schalke a, ch- a chance to go up to one in the match. Really out of nowhere in the second half, after the, after the first half, you would not believe that we would have a chance to go to 2-1, but um, he steps up. He's naturally, he's normally buttering this play, but um, that he had his number, didn't he? Uh, great save on it, and I think it was a pretty poorly struck uh, shot by Kalachiri. Not so much a save by Radeski. Yeah, I kind of divide the goal up um, usually sort of the way a lot of people divide up the entire pitch into sort of like five columns, if you will, um, where there's, you know, like a, a wide column on either side and then a, a central one and then like two half spaces sort of, um, if you want right. to use the, use the half space terminology for a goal. And uh, I mean, in my opinion, like you pretty much always have to go down the center or to one of the corners. And if you hit it into that, that half space, which is kind of no man's land, you tend to get into trouble there. Um, and Caligiuri hit not a particularly strong shot right into the half space. That's, you know, it's squarely where, you know, Hideki is, is sitting. And, uh, for a guy who's, who's pretty solid on penalty kicks, that was not his, uh, his finest moment there. Definitely not a great effort from, from Caligiuri. No, no, it was not. And, uh, normally, like I said, he, he, you know, nails those things, but, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't go in. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, despite the miss, I thought Shaka came out really excellent in the second half. I've uh, been playing really well. And my question to you, Jack, is what the hell did uh, Hoop Stevens say to them at halftime to get the kicked in their in their butt and and start playing well? Like the, this is a team that we were hoping to see all season long, not just the you know the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean the energy was completely different. It really was, uh, and it's it's frustrating that we got off to as slow of a start as we did because you could see that once we started asserting ourselves a little bit and started dictating the pace of play, it, it kind of it definitely threw Leverkusen off. They they got rattled by that that early equalizer, and then you know we were kind of mucking things up a little bit and and catching them off guard, and they they just seemed very uncomfortable for the majority of the second half. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm not saying that we played like brilliantly, but I think it goes to show you when when what what this team maybe could have been capable of this season um, with just some better individual performances here and there. I mean, I thought, I mean, I've criticized Rudy all season and I'm not going to apologize for it because I think he's deserved it, but he's been better recently. And uh, his defensive work rate in this one was phenomenal. I thought, yeah, uh, I agree. so many games this season, he's just kind of been jogging around the pitch, not really inserting himself into dis- like any part of the play and and he was putting people under pressure left and right all second half showing um, passion having showing yeah. fighting it and he could put in some nice passes too but I was I was particularly impressed with his defensive work right yeah he he was hustling and he was he was going in for challenges and and trying to be a nuisance and uh you know Mascarell was you know once again played pretty well and so it's frustrating that some of these guys are are turning it on finally right at the end of the season when we literally don't need them to <laughs> At this point, because we're not playing for anything. They're auditioning for Wagner. I mean, they should have been doing that all season. But at a minimum, minimum it's nice to see. So, yeah, Rudy Rudy, Rudy played well. 
Yeah, I was, I was I was pleasantly surprised by his defensive work rate, and that tackle he made was just beautiful on Mitchell Visor uh, just before all this freak has started. Um, yeah, I mean, this game was uh, certainly an interesting one, and uh, VIR was mentioned again in the 71st minute. Uh, so Mbolo gets by two Leverkusen players. He goes down in the box. Uh, penalty is called. Then they go to VAR, Jack, and they decide no penalty on this. Uh, do you agree on this play? I don't know what to make of this one. Um, it was the di- most difficult of the of the instances we had in this game, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it's a ball that's played into the box, and Mbolo is being sort of sandwiched by two Leverkusen defenders. I think one of which was Jonathan Ta. And, yeah, and Vendo, um, I think, maybe. Could have been, yeah. And uh, right as they're approaching the box, Mbolo kind of squeezes in between them, and it looks like he's going to be the first one to get to the ball. And there's there's some contact from Ta, who's closing him out. And there's potentially a shove in the back as well. Um, and Mbolo goes down. Uh, but he doesn't go down in the way where it looks like he's flopping or looking for it. Like, you can see he's trying to get to the ball kind of as he's getting pushed away from it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they initially gave a penalty. And... <sighs> I guess if you're a Leverkusen supporter and you see that, you're like, eh, it's a little soft. Like, it's not like the hardest contact you're going to see. But I think it's one that, to me, that's one of those 50 50 ones. If they call that, I think you have to live with it because Leverkusen, I mean, there was contact and he got knocked down. Um, but at the same time, maybe, maybe you could argue that he was slipping a little bit. At the, I don't know. It, it, to me, it definitely wasn't clear. Um, I wasn't too, you know, upset that they took it away from us. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it could have gone either way, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it was a, a certainly difficult call to make. Initially, I thought, yeah, that should have been a penalty. And it seemed like the more I watched it, the more I was confused about what, what I was trying to decide. I mean, I, ex- exactly what you were saying. You know, at some ports, it looked like he went not necessarily dough, but it maybe went down a little too easy. Uh, but also, he did get by and there was contact. So it's a, a hard decision to make. And it, you know, either way, whatever call would have made, I would have been happy with because it was, it was a difficult call. And so. it, there's an important point to be made about VAR here as well, I think, in that VAR is not going to fix every wrong call in, in football. And, and you're seeing no. that. like That's not what it's for. Uh, because even even then, you have plays like that where it goes to VAR, and they overturn it, and clearly Aitken thinks he made the right decision, but it's still very much sort of like a gray area. When you're watching that, you're not sure how you feel about it. Um, but you know what, what VAR, VAR does is it gives the, the, the official another opportunity to look at it. And to make a better judgment, and if, I mean, even if I think the the decision is the wrong decision, ultimately, I, I'd rather the official have an opportunity to look at it again and make a decision that he feels better about or she, um, than them having to make that call, you know, in the heat of the moment, maybe not from the best angle, and never get another chance to to you know put it under further scrutiny. So, um, yeah, I think people need to kind of readjust their expectations of VR. That being said. Uh, I definitely understand where people complain about it because it seemed like there was a VAR stoppage every five minutes in this match in the second half. And all of the shock, it seems like that. And, and this it, referee. It, yeah, and it does get annoying after a while when there's that many you know stoppages in the play. Because something that I think we all enjoy about football is how free flowing it is. Like you know, you watch American sports and there's a, a timeout in a Bud Light commercial every five <laughs> every minutes. Fu- yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so it's so annoying. And so football, it's just you know, you you, you watch it and it's forty five minutes of uninterrupted play and it's great. And VAR is definitely cut into that a little bit. But um, ultimately, I'm I'm still pro VAR, if not pro Itikin. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am too. I'm still on Team VAR, so. 
Um, there's a play a couple minutes after this, really, which I thought Vier should have got involved, and I don't think it was involved. Uh, so there's a play in the in our own box where Calajiri was defending Baumgartlinger, maybe or somebody. That yeah, and that's correct. There's contact. Uh, Baumgartlinger, Baumgartlinger goes down. Um, I thought maybe a penalty could have been called against us. What did you see on that play? Yeah, so I disagree. We, we, you and I were talking about this briefly before we started recording. I actually disagree with you on this one. Um, the ball gets played into the box, and it's clear that Baumgartlinger is going to get there first, and Calajuri is kind of rolling up on him be, from behind. Um, in my opinion, Baumgartlinger is waiting for that contact, and right as Calajuri gets up on him, Baumgartlinger, in, from what I can see, intentionally throws his own left leg backwards into the leg of Calajuri mm. and then falls down as if he's been tripped. And I thought it was a, in my opinion, a really obvious and horrific flop once you watch the replay. Um, I, I think Bianca Goldbeck, unsurprisingly, um, <laughs> was like, well, yeah, you know, Bumgartlinger was trying to shoot with his left foot and then he gets, he gets tripped. And like that, to me, that's not what I saw. I think he got fooled by that. I think Bumgartlinger did it intentionally. And even if he didn't, it's contact that Baumgartlinger initiates. Calajuri's just standing there; he doesn't do anything. Um, and so I think I don't think you can call a penalty in that situation. That one I would have been furious with if they had if they had actually called that. Um, I do think Vieira was involved. I think I think he Vieira was talking to IT, or he, IT was oh, okay. wait, waiting for the uh, VAR to kind of conduct their internal review. Right. And they ultimately said, like, you don't need to go take a look at it. We think, you know, the call you made was the right call, making that no call. So <laughs> that's because the crowd was booing when he was like, oh, okay, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, like, I saw this play. I, I was watching this live, and I didn't I didn't see the replay because I, at that moment I was like, ooh, the belly. And, and when I I guess when I, I must have realized that they were going to DAR, I, like, turned away for a second, and I didn't see the replay. So initially when I saw it, it looked like when I saw it live, I, I, I thought maybe Kyle Jerry just stuck his leg out and, uh, and, tri- and tripped him in the box, but like I said, I didn't get the advantage of of looking at the replay like you did. So, uh, if I had seen the replay, or if I go back now and take a look, I yeah, may t- take another look opinion. at it if you get a chance. Because I'd be I'd be interesting to see if you change your mind if you if you still think that that was that was a penalty. Because I mean, you 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 may very well be right, but I, I would to me to me it just looks like he was blatantly. I'm trying, a stubborn, I'm a stubborn bastard, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have to admit uh, it if you end up agreeing with me. You can just watch it and then not text me if if you feel differently. Suddenly, so no communication. <laughs> uh, well, the rest of the, the rest of the match was really uneventful. I mean, there was chances going both ways. Um, there, and the best play I think for the rest of the match was probably in the 89th minute or so, just just about the end of the game. Calgary had an in swinger in. Uh, Gita Burke sort of gets ahead on it. And then off the crossbar, that would be as close as anybody else would come to scoring a goal in the matchup. Uh, Schalke would draw a level with Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, two of our biggest opponents coming down the stretch, we get four points out of, um, or five if you really want to include the, the Frankfurt match. So, um, very surprising results for us because, you know, when we before we hit down this, maybe the last eight games of the season, we were looking at the schedule. and We were like, we're probably going to get losses in all these games. And you know the, the the teams that we should have you know beat or gotten points off, we were struggling against. So um, I do I don't know what to make out of all that, but uh, we're safe. Uh, good result in the game. Good matchup, I think. Um, a lot of positives take away, especially like Bujaleb and, and Rudy. Yeah, I mean, despite not having possession, I think the possession game was obviously won by by Leverkusen in this one. However, I think the main difference between the first and second half before us is. 
countering, we we had no counter in the first half at all. We could do nothing with the ball when we got it. We just gave it away. In the second half, we were countering with purpose and getting opportunities, and we looked much better than we had in the first half. Yeah, significantly better performance in the second half. Uh, it'd just be nice if we could start the match with that kind of that kind of energy and um, intention. Really, I mean, there's people making runs in in the second half uh, that they just weren't making, plain and simple. In the first, they, they're not trying to get themselves in advanced positions and make themselves available for their teammates, and uh, you know, made, made a world of difference for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I just I, I want to shout out the midfield three. I thought Bujalev, Mascarell, and Rudy all had very good games today. Uh, yeah, which was not today. Wow, this is like a week ago. Um, <laughs> I always think <laughs> it was like recording the same day that we, which was very rarely happens. Um, uh, yeah, I thought they all played very well. Uh, and that was that was great to see. I think so many times this season, there's been at least one person in the midfield that's just had an awful game, when maybe two others are playing average or okay, and it just, it just isn't good enough. And I think all three of them put out some of their better performances of the season. So that was great. Um, don't want to end the podcast on a on a on a dark note, but I just was curious if you noticed this. Did you think that Weston McKenney's body language was like super negative in this one? He just. Yeah. He looked like really upset, like not like angry, like, like, like I don't know, like sad like, or kind of like 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 annoyed that he was like on the field. Like every time he zoomed in on his face, he just he looked weird to me. I think I, he wanted to be in that midfield, and a couple of times he made bursts through the to the to the field and like trying to get up on the attacking end. I I think he feels like he's a thoroughbred with reins on him, trying to like hold him back, and you know. Well, I sincerely hope that that's how he feels, and not that he's like annoyed that he's. At Schalke playing these yeah, games agree. at the bottom of the table because obviously we would love if if he spends some more. I think we all figure that he's going to leave at some point, but I think we would all like him to stay around a little bit longer. So hopefully he hasn't uh, soured on his time at the club yet because we we love Weston. And, I don't know. Yeah, I was I just noticed that and I was like, oh, that just doesn't look good. And it could have just been he was having an off day or something, or he was upset about um, his role in the in the first goal that was scored by yep. Averts. It could have been that. And he just couldn't shake it or something. I don't know what was going on. I just, it, to me, it just, he looked strange and I was concerned by it. Yeah, and it could have been, like, you know, he's put in a position, maybe he's not his his strength, you know, you know, playing out, you know, defensively. Because um, he, he got beat a couple of times in the matchup and he looked like a midfielder playing defense in that. I mean, he, he, he does an uh, admirable job, but, you know, when you're put in a position that you're not that great of and you're making mistakes, you probably beat yourself up more than you, you, you probably should. So, um, you know, we, we all would love to see. McKinney, come here next year. Or stay here next year. You know, shout out to John McKinney. Make sure you keep that, make that happen. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Weston. Weston is someone that we got to build, build around. I think uh, the heart and dedication and and the drive he has. I think he has a lot of goals in him. He just got to get off the snide, and he and he scored one this year, a couple this year. But um, yeah, I think he's someone. He's ha- he has that spirit that we want to build around. Not some of these others that you know don't really care, don't really fight for for the loose balls and stuff or show, pa- show passion. So, um, yeah. Um, thanks for bringing the podcast down, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, so, so you bring it down, so I'm going to bring it back up. I'm currently um, drinking a Velton's Pilsner, so hopefully that, oh, that, that, that that imbues some team spirit into the podcast. I'm doing our Did you get that pride. for the Columbus watch party uh, this past weekend for the Bayer Leverkusen match? I did not. I got that from my local liquor uh, store. Oh, well, that's that's impressive because that's uh, not, it, it's very hard to find Velton's around anywhere. Uh, so it the used fact to found be in there. my area, but I've, it's been available more consistently recently, which is nice. Okay, okay. 
uh, I just found Augustiner in my area, which I was happy about, but I'd like to see some Veltons. Um, that, that's just me. But uh, I said I was going to bring the podcast up, and uh, we'll talk really brief. Shock of the U19 teams are in the semifinals against uh, our rivals, Dortmund. Um, they had a big win against Balcom a couple of days ago. Katuchu, you know, played played well in that matchup, and all the youngsters did. So um, at least they're doing really well at the moment. So uh, good for those guys. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we end this podcast? A uh, quick shout out to Leroy Sane. Uh, congrats on another Premier yes. League title. Uh, please do not come to Bayern, otherwise you're dead to me. I thought you were um, going to say, don't come to Schalke. <laughs> no, I would love if he came to Schalke. I, I started seeing rumors the last two days that, that Bayern Munich is interested in his services. Oh. Um, and honestly, I don't know if you could really blame him if he actually ended up wanting to make a move just because he, he doesn't start all the time, which yeah, is understandable when you have Bernardo Silva, who is you know just phenomenal this year, and then Raheem Sterling and others. So um, maybe he wants to be a, uh, a more prominent, consistent starter elsewhere. But uh, hopefully that does not happen at... A place like Bayern Munich, because that would just be brutal if I have to watch Goretzka and mm-hmm. Sane play against a team like that. I would, yeah. I would hate that. So, anyway, congrats to him. Happy for him and uh, Huntelar as well. Yeah, on his run in the Champions League, and then obviously, uh, you know what they accomplished domestically as well. We love, uh, we love Klassen and Huntelar. So, congrats on his success at Ajax. Yeah, for a guy who doesn't get many starts for them, he gets a boatload of goals for them this year. He had something like 18 goals or something. I don't know. He's got a lot of goals for them. He's one of the leading scorers, and he he's not their main starter. So uh, congrats to him, and congrats to IX as well. I think that'll wrap this one up. Uh, we want to thank Schalke and Fox Soccer for all the tidbits on our podcast today. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, you know, you still got time left. Uh, make sure you sign up for the Shaka U.S. newsletter by simply going to the team website, entering your email address, and you'll receive them monthly. Jack, um, I think at that time of podcast where we do our special shout-out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. I saw we had some uh, tweet interactions with them, but uh, did they ever respond to you? No, I was just doing that as a joke, mostly, <laughs> mostly for you. but. <laughs> NBC uh, Nashville is, is unaware that we shout them out on every podcast. They don't know that we exist, but we know that they exist. We appreciate they'll find them, out. They'll course. find out. They'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, uh, please tell our followers and NBC4 Nashville where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, Don't Hire Horst Helt on Twitter. That's D O N T H O R. Um <laughs> As always, uh, J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter, where you will hear me talk about how we shouldn't hire horse help. That's right. Uh, and I, I got nothing to top that, Jack. Uh, I'm just going to say I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Shoes.